Welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. The podcast for wellbeing professionals that looks at best practices in organisations that care about their people and which keeps an eye on the growing number of suppliers in the wellbeing space. The Workplace Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by FastPayE, a financial wellbeing solution that facilitates flexible salary advances. It also provides access to financial education, a benefits assessment calculator, and a host of other financial wellbeing tools. FastPayE is part of the WorkTech group that includes ShopWorks Workforce Solutions and Solved by AI. ShopWorks offers scheduling and time and attendance tools that improve your workforce management processes, whilst Solved by AI provides unique artificial intelligence products that deliver optimum staffing levels and improve employee retention. Hi, and welcome to Series 2 of the Workplace Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Ian Hogg, Chairman of FastPay, and after a summer break, we're back with a packed schedule covering all aspects of wellbeing at work. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Sabin, who is a qualified accountant, entrepreneur, and a transformational coach, as well as being a regular contributor to the Entrepreneur Magazine Leadership Network and the Fast Company. Sarah loves to work with leaders who have a grand vision and want to make a big impact on the world around them. Sarah and I are going to discuss a subject which has had a lot of coverage in the press over the summer, the Great Resignation. We will discuss what it is and how companies can avoid it. Our timing seems good. With a greater number of of workers expected to return to the office post the summer, if ever there was a time that friction between employers and employees over returning to the office would occur, it is now. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ian. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this on the day that all the children are going back to school. So, um, I, like I said, I think our time, time is quite good. Um, but before we get into the great resignation, resignation, I think it'd be great if you could tell the listeners a bit about your background and how you ended up being involved in wellbeing. Sure. So, um, my background is actually tax accountancy for my sins. <laughs> um, I spent about nine years in the corporate world doing that and uh, working for a multi-family office, working with high net worth individuals and families. And my entrepreneurial journey began in earnest probably around 2015. And I've been um, an entrepreneur since the beginning of 2016 full time. So I founded two startups. I've done consulting for tech startups. And um, I currently work as a transformational leadership coach and consultant, advising companies on how to get the best out of their employees. Okay, excellent. Great background. And, um, and uh, you know, let's move on to the, the subject. I suppose we should start by asking what is the great resignation? You know, how, how would you define it or describe it? It's kind of like Ron Seal. It does what it says on the tin. Um, it's basically um, employees leaving the workforce in droves. And, What's really interesting about it is it's completely counterintuitive to what you would have thought would have happened after um, the the, uh, show that was 2020, so the pandemic. What has actually transpired is that um, employers that have not focused on their employees' well-being 
are losing um, people in droves. And it's actually hard for um, some companies in some industries to find staff at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I think it's well. One, it's I think it's very hard to find staff. There's definitely shortages, um, and and I agree. I think you know when we were sitting there on sort of March the twenty third, twenty twenty, you know, I, I was thinking there was going to be mass unemployment and you know huge recession, and it'd be the opposite. You know, we'd have too many staff, not be sure, not not have a shortage. Um, and, but why why do you think you know so many people might want to resign all at the same time? So I think there's a lot of factors that come into play um, from the personal to the company related. So some of the personal ones might be people just reassessing their priorities so that they realize, you know, life is short, life is finite. Why spend it doing a job you don't really care about? Let's go off and find my dream job or start my own business so that redefining what work means for themselves and also I think the pandemic has opened up people's eyes to the importance of health and well-being and um, balance so in going back to work they don't want to completely lose that balance that they might have managed to achieve in their lives um, through being able to work remotely or work in a hybrid way Um, and I think you know, one of the other major reasons is, unfortunately, that um, employers were often a big reason for people wanting to leave. So how an employer treated people, their people over the course of the pandemic. Um, so if there was a toxic work culture, what people have found at the other end of this is, well, you know what? I'm going to go and look for a company that values me and I would rather sort of quit this job and um, even take a small pay cut to find a place that, you know, values their employees more. And and do you think there's a link with the sort of, because you talk about the balance in life and a lot of that I think has been improved by working from home and not having to commute and, you know, maybe you know, spending more time with, with uh, young children and, and other sort of benefits of, of work from home. Do you think a potential change away from that balance, you know, um, is likely to impact the great resignation? Do you think it's about returning to the office or do you think it's all about sort of the purpose and, and, and the values of a company? So I think it's a mixture of um, purpose and values, but it's also about, flexibility so if if I just sort of um, cite a survey that EY did recently so they did a survey of 16,000 employees and um, they found that 54% of those employees would consider leaving their job um, if they're not afforded some form of flexibility in where and when they work so we actually know that flexibility and choice is really important to people and actually it was something people wanted pre-pandemic but it's something that they're now seeing is actually a possibility you can work from home and be productive you don't have to conform to societal norms of what work should look like Um, you can start to define it for yourself Um, 
But I think there is also a lot to be said as well for having a company that has a strong purpose and values, um, especially for the younger generation. So um, particularly millennials and Generation Z, they are more likely to care about um, working for a company that they feel is doing good. Um you know, and that could look like in the actual business content of what they do, or it could look like corporate social responsibility programs, giving back, allowing employees to volunteer, etc. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. I suppose some of those companies that, that are going to struggle, you know, what we would have called sin, sin businesses, you know, gambling, tobacco, those sort of things are going to struggle with that purpose thing full stop, no matter how, what they do about well-being, aren't they? Well, yes. I mean, essentially, if you are in certain industries as a company, will you find employees that um, will work in those industries? Yes. But the reality is um, it won't be everyone because um, if you have a very strong value system, then perhaps you wouldn't want to work for a tobacco company if you were staunchly against smoking. And it wouldn't matter, obviously, if they gave, you know, millions and millions to charity. The core of what they do is contrary to a particular value system. Okay. And and then in terms of timing, so I, I sort of in the intro, I suggested that, you know, kids are back at school and if ever there was going to be a time where sort of people have been asked to come back to work it's probably now um do you think that you know if the great resignation happens it'll all be you know it'll be this month or you know what, what's your view on sort of timing for this if it if it does happen well let's let's be honest there are certain times of year which cause people to rethink things um, so September is one of those times, <coughs> excuse me, because you've just had the summer holiday period. If you're a parent, you probably spend time with your kids and suddenly you're back at work again and everything's changing. So that can be a period where people make changes, as well as January, another classic period after a holiday time when people are really assessing what's important to them. But I don't see this happening all at once. So um, another survey that I looked at recently from um, an HR software company, and this was this summer. So they said that 38% of the people surveyed plan to quit in the next six months to a year. And I think that's a more realistic idea of what the great resignation will be rather than everyone doing it at the same time it will become more of a snowball effect because the more people see that other people are doing it the more it becomes acceptable for them to do it so I I see it gathering momentum and pace over the next six months Okay, and presumably, you know, it, it's not going to hit all that we talked about. People with stronger purpose might be better protected than people who haven't. <clears throat> but um, how does an employer, you know, know if they have a potential problem? Well, there's there's a few indicators. Number one, 
what's your churn and burn rate. Yeah. So um, <laughs> most industries sort of have an average, but for the tech industry, for example, the attrition rate is actually quite high. It's around 13.2%. So if you are near that average or above that average, you know that you have a problem and you know you need to address what's going on there. The other thing is, you know, asking the question about performance and productivity. So has that significantly dropped over the course of the pandemic, despite the fact that people seem to be working long hours? Because, again, that points to a deeper rooted problem, a lack of engagement, um, possible demotivation going on, um, burnout problems, etc., so that that becomes a ticking time bomb that could lead to um, resignations happening en masse in the next six to 12 months. Yeah, I think, I mean, interesting you talk about sort of doing some analysis on it. So we've, one of um, fast-paced sister companies called Solve by AI um, builds an AI that sort of helps employers predict how many people are going to resign in the next sort of 30, 60, and 90 days. And one of the things we found is that pre-pandemic, the data was pretty solid and robust, and it was quite good at making the predictions. And, you know, furlough, um, work from home, you know, it, it's it's made all the data sets confused, and it's, it's actually quite hard to go and do analysis and actually predict, you know, whether you have got a problem just from the data. <clears throat> so I... I I think from from the experience we've had, it, I think you have to almost ask. You know, we have to go down to some sort of you know down to employee surveys and things like that to um, see if there's a problem. Um, have you have you come across people that are doing that and trying to trying to you know taking this serious and actually doing doing surveys to see if they've got a problem with a great resignation or not? Absolutely. So um, you know that's that's a very practical way that you can understand if you have a problem but here's here's the rub i guess um if you have a culture that is dysfunctional or toxic people are unlikely to be honest in those polls and surveys they're unlikely to be engaged in doing them because you know it's kind of the attitude well whatever i do you know, no one listens. What's the point? I'm already planning my exit strategy. So um, ironically, although employee surveys are useful, they're not useful in all circumstances. Okay, so we've got a problem here then, haven't we? Because if the data's difficult to um, to analyse because, um, you know, because, you know, the, it's been sort of messed up by sort of furlough and all sorts of other um, changes um, and the surveys are unreliable, um, and, you know, there's probably quite a few employers are going to get taken by surprise for this one. Um, and, you know, how do, I suppose, the, you know, then I suppose there's a sort of preemptive approach, which is, you could assume that the you know it's you're at risk of this. You know how do I make sure that my team um, you know are, are, are happy and and aren't aren't going to be part of the great resignation? What sort of tasks could I do to um, to improve the situation? So to come back to employee surveys, you should be doing them anyway. You know whether they will be completely honest is going to be a measure of where your culture is at a given point in time. So if you've 
um, handled the period over the pandemic well as a company, um, it's likely that you're going to get more honest, engaged feedback in the survey. But you should definitely be doing those. And the next step in that is really, really important, which is you need to actually act upon certain things. So in order to establish trust, if you're going to do polls and encourage people to be honest, you then have to be shown to be taking action to address some of the major concerns that people have. So an example of this would be, and, uh, you know, I was having a conversation recently, um, a company had done a workplace survey and um, it had clearly shown that employees wanted to be in the office um, two to three days a week. So survey results came in, leaders had a look at it. And then um, basically what they did was say, okay, well, we've heard what you're saying, but actually what we're going to do, you have to be in the office four days a week or you're out of a job, period. That was that. So that's the classic case of if that kind of things happen and you act in a way that's completely contrary to the feedback that you get, you're really breaking down the trust that you have with employees and that that 100% will lead to a problem. So it's yeah. that listen, hear, act. And then, you know, this comes into empathy as well, um, which is something that, you know, is being talked about a lot recently. Part of an empathetic culture is to make people feel heard and to find the sweet spot where employer and employee needs meet so that both sides feel like they are in a win-win situation. Now, if you can do that well, what you have is more loyalty amongst your uh, employees. And it's likely that, um, you know, hopefully you won't be having a great resignation. And the other point that um, I think is really, really important to make sure that your team aren't part of the great resignation is creating a sense of psychological safety. So this um, this is a concept coined by um, Dr. Amy Edmondson. We um, need to feel as humans that our basic needs are taken care of. And once we feel that, we are more inclined to be creative. We're more inclined to take risks. We're more likely to be candid and open and honest um, because we don't fear that we could lose our job at any moment or um, our unempathetic manager is going to come down um, on top of us like a ton of bricks. And that leads me to the other point. How do you make sure your team don't leave? Well, you need a management, uh, you need managers and leaders that are trained properly to um, to really get the best out of the team. So to check in with them regularly, to set clear expectations and boundaries, to um, push them and to coach them, etc. Because again, this is also a really uh, common reason why people leave jobs because of bad bosses. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think we talk about, you know, why would the Great Resignation happen now? And it's sort of, you know, pandemics obviously triggered, triggered that. But all these things were around pre-pandemic, weren't they? I mean, bad bosses, toxic cultures, um, you know, n- not listening to feedback. Um, I, I suppose what we're what we're really saying is that the the pandemic, you know, it's back to your first point, really, isn't it, Sarah? That the pandemic's made people think about what's important, and that's why these sort of issues have been elevated um, to you know to be much more important in the minds of employees. Would, would you agree with that? That that's the that's the the trigger. Yes, I think um, what I found is that companies that already had um, a fairly positive culture have flexed and adapted with the pandemic they've included their employees you know within communications within the context of their decision making so they've moved forward productively as a team and found a way however where there were problems existing to begin with, what the pandemic has done is um, exacerbate those problems, so make those problems worse. I think rather than blaming the pandemic for things not being as you would want them right now, um, it's it's important to admit that there were failings there to begin with and you need to go back and understand what the root of those failings were so that you can move forward from it. So, um, you know, the pandemic, if you approach it in the right way, there's a lot of learnings that you can take away from that as an employer that will allow you to work more constructively with employees going forward. No, um, no, I agree. And I think from our experience, you know, we we had pretty much everywhere a software company so we had everybody working from home during the the peak of the pandemic um but of course that made it actually harder in some you know, we had to adapt how we we did get feedback and how we did speak to people because you know some people in the last 18 months you know i've only met on zoom calls and in sort of formal meetings you know you don't get to meet them around the water cooler and over a coffee um so i think that has made it harder for employers i i also think that um there's just a big, you know, I think there's something in the fact that people have got used to their new way of working from home and it's a huge psychological jump to suddenly have to come back into the office as well. So I think there's some apprehension and some some concern and, you know, and the, the thought of doing a commute must be horrendous for people who've had 18 months without having to do it. Um, so yeah, I think- no, I think... Um- just to come back to some of your points, because I had a very, very interesting conversation with the chief people officer of a, um, a large tech company the other day. And what she said is absolutely spot on. You know, in this hybrid or remote working world, you need to make more of an effort to establish meaningful connection with people and to include people, you know, that are in the office, maybe if some people are and some people aren't. And I think that intentionality is key. So, you know, involving people in appropriate projects for them, making sure that you are putting time in your boss's diary so that you are having these (laughs) meaningful conversations on a regular basis, but also sort of moving away a bit from the formal meeting structure as well. So establishing more of those ad hoc connections, where whatever that looks like. So, you know, whether that's 
just picking up the phone or having an open door policy for an hour or two hours every day if you're um, the leader of a team so that people come talk to you. But, you know, I'm not taking away from the fact that it is harder because you're not sort of next to people and you can't just pop over and, you know, say, let's have a cup of tea. <laughs> um, but you can still orchestrate those situations. And I think the companies that have done well over the pandemic have really realised the importance of doing that. No, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's definitely hard. You know, it's... Um, you know, I think um, we've definitely tried. We haven't, you know, I think there's one thing being aware that there's a you know, potential problem out there and even being aware of some of the solutions. It's finding time, being proactive, doing it in the right way. You know, it, it, it's definitely created challenges for employers. Um, and, you know, even I think some that have tried hard um, probably have still got some way to go. Um, but I think your your chief people officer's feedback is is excellent. You know, you actually you can't just wait for it to happen. You actually have to go out there and 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 make a change to the way you operate to um to include these people. Um, listen, you know, I think it's great great coverage. I think the, we, we shall watch with um, interest how this great resignation pans out. Are you doing are you you know, are you doing work with employers specifically on this, or are you you know how's it changed your what you do and and what support you're giving employers? Well, the the point at which I come in is basically you know leaders and managers of people need to do this in a different way than they have done in the past um and you know part of that is that leads into the great resignation do that well and people won't resign on mass do that badly <laughs> and the opposite will happen um in this new normal um Leaders need to um, develop more of a coaching style. Um, there needs to be much clearer communication um, and boundary and expectation setting, and also a redefinition of what good performance looks like as opposed to what it looked like when everyone was in the office full time. So that's how I work with companies in order to develop. Um, leaders and bosses that make employees want to stay that develop loyalty um in the teams that they have okay and and if an employer is listening to this and wants some wants some help and wants to avoid the great resignation how can they get in touch with you sarah so you can go to my website, which is www.sarahsabin.com, um, just to add that Sarah without an H, <laughs> because that can be quite confusing. You can also find me on LinkedIn and um, you can drop me an email, sarah at sarahsabin.com. Okay, fine. Well, we'll put those in the program notes, Sarah, so that people can get in touch with you. Okay, and before I let you um, go, though, sorry, sorry, go on. sorry just one more point. <laughs> um, I always it. forgot to say this. So the, so the way that I work um, with companies is I have a consultation call first to um, talk through key objectives um, and, you know, some of the challenges they're currently facing and then I propose a solution that will help you to reach your key outcomes. 
Excellent. I think, um, yeah, I, I'm, I would imagine that it's going to be a busy period for you um, because, you know, lots of companies need need quite a bit of help in, in overcoming some of these problems. Okay, but before I let you go, there's a question I ask everyone. Um, and, it, you know, it's the same as the last series of the podcast. Can you tell me what book or media is giving you inspiration at the moment and why? Yes, I can. Um, the book that comes to mind because I've been reading it at the moment is called The Culture Code. Um, it's by a chap called Daniel Coyle, and it basically um, analyzes the dynamics of highly successful groups of people. Um, if you want to be a company that's around for the long term, you know, that is has a, a bottom line that keeps expanding and growing the culture that you build at the organization is key so um i really like that book and i really recommend it excellent well we'll put a link to that in the program notes as well Sarah. um listen it, yeah it's been great having you on i think everybody's going to be watching this with interest over the next um in the next few months and um it, uh, for me, as an employer i'm hoping it doesn't materialize you know i think um but uh you know it, it will be what it will be um and maybe we'll have you back in um in a few months time as as this has evolved to um to to see whether see whether any of our predictions or or um, solutions were proved to be right or wrong yes i would love that thank you very much ian for having me no, you're welcome. And listen, thanks everyone else for listening. And um, we look forward to speaking to you again on, on the next, next episode. Thank you. Thank you.